Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Should I say Pistol Pete Mitchell? Oh, I like that. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pistol Pete Mitchell. And Shotgun Peyton Jones. (laughs) And uh, before we get started today, we've got a word from Yoda's evil twin, a Sith Lord. I don't even know what his real name is, but uh, it's his twin. Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by... MoGiv. Emoji IV. I I don't know why Steve feels like he can make fun of my singing. That's all I'm going to say on that topic. For those of you who aren't in jump school and you don't know who Steve is... Um, it's probably better for you, actually, because uh, for some reason he feels that he can mock my singing ability or yeah, lack thereof. Know, he he was a little convicted about it, though. I mean, you, you got He actually did kind of, you know, offer to leave his gift at the altar, and you know, I see. I didn't take it as sincere at all. I took it as he wanted to bring up the fact that he doesn't like my singing again. In fact, when he said absolutely no one on the planet likes my singing, that's when I knew he wasn't serious. Yeah, no, he was not serious at all. But I liked that there was that kind of like faux repentance, that kind of like, you know, I'm sorry, bro. You mad, bro? You know, that whole thing was guy. It was great. Yeah. Anyway, Qual- quality quality entertainment from Jump School. Of Band course. Of Brothers. Brought to you by Jump School. Available yeah. now at jumpschooltraining.com. But now back to MoGiv. Peyton, let me ask you a really important question. Have you been wanting to get started with online giving at your church? Since MoGive started paying us to run this ad, Pete. (laughs) 
Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? <laughs> I actually use MoGive, but for the sake of this commercial, why, yes, Pete, I do. Well, stop it. A better solution is here. MoGive. M-O-G-I-V. See, I'm weak. Come on. That's not good. Apparently, though, no one wants to mock the mighty Peyton Jones. It's just fair game on Pete Mitchell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm the guy you can attack, apparently. You're the whipping boy. Apparently. You're the church. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. I take my share of knocks on here. You do. And now uh, with uh, soon to be a, another podcast, you do. <laughs> Which now I'm even afraid to make that joke because I'm afraid of offending you. <laughs> I, I, the wound cuts deep, brother. That's it, all I can say. Well, it's funny. I don't even think you should take it personally. It's literally just comedy. Okay, here's the deal, everybody. We made up, like I made up, right? I'm I'm taking the fall <laughs> yeah. for this, but we didn't have a way to end this new show we're doing. We're doing a new show called Hardcore Church Planning, which will be uh, coming out actually in a couple of weeks. we got a yeah, couple more and- um, interviews to get lined up. And so we needed an ending. And so I made one up like right there. I'm like, ah, go hardcore, go home. And Pete thinks that's the funniest thing in the world, right? Well, because you started it. If you're called a church plant, go hardcore or go home. And it's comedy. I think it's really funny. I, I don't know, man. All I know is I was doing the best I can, man. I was trying to just leave me alone. That's I why can't... I don't... I don't think you should take it as a personal slam against you. It's literally just hilarious. But what we really need from the listening audience is we need you guys to come up with one. And so we hardcore church planning, you know, we're too stupid to know how to end a show. So we need you guys to tell us, all right, man, what you got to say is this. So this is our new competition. We'll figure out something you don't want and don't need to give you if you win. (laughs) And we need you to give us a way. Like, we love to be the guys that made up May the Force Be With You. I don't know how that fit in with hardcore church planning, but uh, we need you guys to come up with a way for us to sign off. So, Jump uh, School, Pete came up with one. It's uh, if you're not surrounded uh, by the enemy, uh, if you don't find yourself surrounded by the enemy, you're in the wrong landing zone. And then he goes, Jump School! <laughs> Which is still funny. <laughs> and I don't mind it. That's really funny. I think it's funny. Well, anyway, we, we totally interrupted our MoGive commercial. So okay, stop it. A better solution is here. Let's keep doing it. Stop it. A better solution is here. MoGive. No uh, go hardcore for MoGive <laughs> or go home. It's an online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. And with this commercial, we finally lost MoGive as a sponsor. Faux show. For show, for shizzle, my nizzle. Go to mogive.com oh. forward slash church to learn more. Mogive. M O G I V, not with an E. Now we got a little word from, uh, from our good buddy, uh, the Hulk. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you gonna do when the Church Planner podcast runs wild on you? I forgot we're actually supposed to tell him what today's topic is, and then oh the yeah, Hulk is supposed before to come we on. start talking smack talk, we now we rehearsed like we went through before the show, and we're like, okay, we do this because we get it wrong every week, and then we then we give the topic, and so thirty minutes in, we're not giving you guys a topic yet, so we decided we're gonna do that right away. 
So today's topic is how to set up your power base in your church, your church plant, so that uh, you don't run into problems later. So I, I don't, I mean, I don't really have a good name, but I know that when you're setting up a 501c3, when you're setting up your bank documents, when you're writing your constitution and bylaws, a lot of that stuff is about who's holding the power, how many people are holding the power. And we need to talk about that because when it all goes wrong, the, the, your saving grace is that you set this stuff up right. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, do we get to do a little bit of smack talking? Oh, yeah. I got some good smack talk today. Let's hear yours because I got some good stuff too, but mine's not really smack. Okay. Well, speaking of like setting things up at the bank, right? Right. So uh, Charlie and I, uh, back when we planted Long Beach, um, I had written uh, Church Zero, got to say it, cha-ching, and uh, it was waiting to get published. And so I said to Charlie, here's a deal. Um, when I planted my last church, I, I didn't hardwire. I just hardwired like a, a traditional constitution bylaws. In fact, I think in the UK, I went online, picked up like a nonprofit thing. I think our constitution bylaws was, was basically null and, null and effect, right? And uh, what I ended up doing for this one was Charlie and I went away. I think we spent just crazy amounts of time on this where our leadership reflected uh, Ephesians 4. And how would you hardwire that into a, a constitution bylaws? And so some of the guys in New Breed have um, written uh, and asked, hey, Peyton, can you can you send me a copy of that? And so it, it's there. If any guys in, in New Breed want to use it, you know, hey, we have apostleship. We have a plurality of elders and we have um, not apostleship like a, a pope, but literally a guy who's more, you know, more of a, a missionary trainer. Um, a guy who's more of a shepherd, a guy who's a little more prophetic, maybe walks in the supernatural a little bit more than you got your teacher. And so we went away and we wrote this stuff down. Well, anyways, because we were going through it with a fine tooth comb and drafts and redrafts, I put in there a joke for Charlie, seeing if he'd catch it. And then I forgot it was there. And here's what I put in there. It was, it was in the part where it has the ordinances of baptism and communion. And I actually put in there, we also believe that Jesus validated same-sex marriage. No, you did not. And so when the evangelical credit union asked for our constitution and bylaws and setting up our bank account, let's just say <laughs> I got a little email this past week that uh, said, hey, Peyton, <laughs> this had missed my attention, but uh, one of the reviewers found this in the uh, in the statement and he quotes it. Like it's actually like a PDF and it's all highlighted. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't even know and what to says, say. I, I saved it for the podcast because I, I had to wait till we got, I've been dying to tell you this for days. And, uh, and he goes, little clarification, please. And so I couldn't even write him back. I had to call him and I left this message. He, he, he's a pretty cool dude. His name's Skyler. And, uh, he, you have like this little agent. So I called him up and I, I left a voicemail for him. And uh, the only reason I joined with this this bank is because they take you to lunch a bunch of times. So anyways, uh, I call him up and I leave the message. He writes me back because we're always talking about punk shows and stuff like that. He goes to, to all these punk shows, ex-missionary. And he goes, uh, he writes back and says, ah, that's so funny. And then dot, dot, dot. Not for you, though. Dot, dot, dot. I'll take <laughs> care of it. Send me a new one. <laughs> what did you tell him when you left him the message? I told him, I said, man, it was a joke. You know, I said, uh, 
Charlie and I were, were spending so much time on getting this thing right and going over it. The bad thing is, the really bad thing is, guys, if you're in New Breed and you have a copy of this, you just might want to be aware. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There's maybe some things in there that you might want to just kind of. Make sure you look, read it. Really you can't correct. just slap your name on it and issue it as yours. Absolutely. You just might want to know that, you know, some of us have twisted senses of humor and it got in there and oh, uh, it the might thing be is, in your church's documentation. There are so many people who would not find that funny at all. They would be so offended that you even joked about that. Of course, they don't listen well, to this show. <laughs> they, well, they would have already left after the first five minutes. But you know. I suppose. But, you know, the, the reality is in our church, we accept everybody. Everybody's accepted. But we don't believe that Jesus taught. Uh, a validation of same-sex marriage. I mean, just unashamedly, that's just not in the Bible. And that was the humor was we just completely misrepresented Jesus on that. And, uh, and not funny, by the way. You know funny. how many people are going to be offended that you misrepresented Jesus as a joke? Well, to Charlie, you know, like, obviously, you will find I can't yourself. believe you said this hey, on the podcast. I don't, this is a joke a I don't even think I would have gone down the path of. This is me saying I don't think I would have told people that this happened. Oh, okay. We can cut it out then. <laughs> I'm not cutting it out now, baby. You <laughs> up on the spit? Yeah. Uh, to me personally, I don't, I don't, I don't have an issue with it. Wow, dude! I can. I, it is hilarious that someone caught it. That means they're actually reading those docs. Oh yeah, man. They read them when when they ask for them. They read them because what they want to make sure is you're evangelical. So. That would have stopped us getting picked up by the bank because that is not considered to be an evangelical stance. Y you think? <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. I cannot believe that happened. You know what I could just see? I could just see the uh, auditor, whoever reads it all, going, you know what? I bet you they're making this up, that that's not really their stance. Well, I, I don't know, because I, I think they probably really thought there was a problem. And then when you tell them, hey, we were just goofing off with each other and boom, 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 then I think, I I mean, I I don't think that, I like you said, I don't think there's a lot of people who have a sense of humor. So I don't think, yeah, the type of people who would actually read that for a bank, I don't believe. Would not think that was funny. No, yeah. no. Oh my gosh, dude! This is just it, comedy it, kinda, to me. It, it was on the for us. It, it was kind of. I think we also had something. There was there was a couple things. I probably should go back and make sure the other stuff in there. I think one of them we put was like you know we believe there are many ways to God, and you're just totally goofing off, you know, because you're bored. I I remember one particular day we spent eight hours on it. We were we were like out at a restaurant. It's out on the table. We're going through it. I think this is an important message to everyone in New Breed. You better go back and double check. Don't your trust docs. any document we give you. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. I'm just like. Well, and not only that, man, but we actually had run it through a couple guys in New Breed um, who uh, missed it as well. Unless I gave a different version to the bank than what I gave the New Breed guys. Yeah, you probably gave them the first version. Yeah, probably. Wow, dude. I am like, that's that's a good story. I See, I can't top that. I can't top that for anything. That was a good one. You know, I never have good stories. And I thought that was an awesome Oh, that's story. a great one. That's a great one for the Church Planner podcast. 
I I could just see Tyrone now. He's having a, a just a fit on the freeways. He's listening to this while he's driving. Why is that? Because at first he would be torn. He would he would see the humor in it, but he would be like, "Yeah, but you put words in Jesus' mouth." Oh yeah, yeah. No, we did it. You know, <laughs> there's a difference. There's a difference between goofing off like that. It's it's just so ridiculous what you're saying. To the other person, where they're not in any way going to say, "Oh, oh I, I get it." In. You and I do that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> off the podcast. Yeah, it's not like <laughs> coarse joking. Coarse joking is is forbidden, right? Um, there are different things, and but yeah, no, I don't, I don't see that as an issue. Wow, man, that's funny. Well, to that, I think uh, this next soundbite is most definitely appropriate. This is Brad Briscoe, and you are listening to Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones, the Beavis and Butthead of church planting. <laughs> just gonna just gonna throw that out there. We're the Beavis and Butthead of church planting. Yeah, I'm gonna get in trouble for that last one, aren't I? Not anymore. I I don't know. <sighs> I don't think the people that listen to us would be the kind of people that get really offended. No, I think it's going to be the first time listener who's never listened to our podcast before. Who's going to be like, oh, okay, what are these guys? What are these guys? Hey, 120 episodes in and we still can't answer that question. No, you know, I actually really, really enjoyed this week's band of brothers call for uh, jump school. Um, for those of you who aren't in jump school, We've got uh, a monthly Band of Brothers call where our church planners who are going through jump school get to call in, uh, ask their questions, or email in their questions, and, and we go through them. And this was a really good jump school call. Um, we talked about so many different topics that I think most pastors are, uh, you know, they want to know the answer to, especially church planners, but they don't, you know, it's like, who do you ask? I mean, we touched on everything from what do you do when there's a fight in your church, like a fist fight in the middle of service, to um, you know the supernatural. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was. I have to say, it was a really good call. I think part of you thinks that because I let you talk on this one, but also <laughs> I usually it, it talk. Was, I, have, I usually talk on Band of Brothers. It's the interview calls for hardcore church planning where you go hardcore or you go home that we don't i don't get you don't go hardcore enough so i send you home pal you that's do. all it is you do but but here's the thing is um it, it was good i mean it 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 really there was some amazing questions questions that you know the one on the supernatural i actually had to back off and say took me like 10 minutes to say i don't know right but but i it, it had to come with a, an explanation of why i don't know this um, and it was good. It was just good. The question had to do with like territorial spirits and blah, blah, blah. And gosh, now I feel like I opened a can of worms even by mentioning that. But we looked at a couple scriptures that, that kind of, I'm not saying like I, I, jury's out for me, man. That's all I'm saying. I gave some history of why evangelicals reject it and on and on. And, um, I myself, am not a Pentecostal. So I've always traditionally had a hard time, but I've had experiences and there are some things in scripture that just made me kind of uh, raise a few eyebrows. Like, what does that mean? And uh, anyway, so if, well, if you want the, the thing, if, okay, go ahead and say what you're going to say. No, I was just going to say, if you guys want to listen, I mean, this is a cool thing about Band of Brothers. Every month we've got 
a live call where you just have access to Pete and I. You just you can call in. We don't normally do a call in show. Um, that's a band of brothers. It's it's for church planners on the ground that are struggling with stuff. They can call in and they can just talk to us. And we'll just it it is a lot like the podcast, but you're in it. And the cool thing was that um, you know on on this you know all of our episodes is if a guy can't make it because he's working, we designed this course for for bivocational guys. The reality is that you uh, we save all these, and so you have access to this library. So if you join Jump School, well, you've got about ten hours of like right now, but we will every month store those in an archive that you can go back and listen to every single one since jump school began and it is just top-notch stuff yeah yeah and um i think the reason why i like it and and didn't have a problem with the fact that you know you take you took 10 minutes to say i don't know is it's like you're formulating answers for the first time and there's a there's a thought process you can like see someone's thought process going on while you're going through these questions that's what's cool about it it's not just like lecture it's like this is a question I've never thought about before. In fact, it reminds me of uh, there was an interview years and years ago, obviously, um, with Anne Rand, uh, and uh, you know she's she's dead now. But um, it was a radio interview, and the the interviewer asked her some question. I don't even remember what it was, and cause this was being recounted to me by someone who who heard the interview, and the interviewer asked her a question, and her response was, "You know, I don't know." I've never thought about that before. And the guy was blown away and he goes, imagine if we had politicians who said, you know, when someone asked him a question, you know, I don't know. I've never thought about that before. He goes, it would be like the first time ever because everyone always has to have an answer. And it's the same way with pastors, right? Pastors always got to have the answer. They always got to be, you know, Mm -hmm. someone asked them a theological question or, you know, whatever. They always got to have the answer. So, yeah. I find it very refreshing when someone goes, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. You know, the jury's yeah, still out. Not, yeah, it's not for a lack of studying. I mean, I read, I study, I read from various sources. I mean, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, there's just things you don't know. The other day I tweeted something about um, how Jesus was a homeless man. And it just brought new depth to the comment where he says, you know, uh, uh, if you've done this to the least of my brethren, you've done it to me. And of course we have a homeless ministry. So the connection suddenly I went, Oh my gosh, Jesus was homeless. Like I'm starting to get this now. And I put hashtag mind blown, hashtag love thy neighbor, hashtag new perspective, because now I'm seeing Jesus in these homeless guys. Right. And it, it kind of, it, it just rocked me. And then some dude tweeted back to me and he goes, Hey man, um, if you look, Jesus fulfilled all, all of those conditions, uh, of ways that you can serve him when he was on the cross. Um, when he says, if I'm thirsty, give me something to drink. And he cries out, I thirst if I'm naked. Well, he was naked on the cross. Um, if somebody's, uh, you know, and he just listed off all of the, the, uh, you know, in, in prison and he was a, treated like a criminal and, uh, everybody fled from him and, um, he's like, all those conditions were there at the cross and Jesus, you know, fulfilled them all. And I'm like, mind blown again, you know, and I think that's, that's kind of the joy about being alive. Like how much would that suck 
if like when I was in my twenties, I thought if I could master enough books and of course I, I, I was in the reformed very much in the reform vein. Uh, and, 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 and I still read, like I read from every background. Like I will read Pentecostal stuff. I will read reform stuff. I will read stuff that doesn't know what it is. I will read liberal stuff. I'm not a liberal, but I'll read everything I can. And what, what's funny is that, you know, when I was in my 20s, I used to think I would get to a point where I would know it all and I could answer every question. I'd be like this mighty teacher. And how much would that suck? Because I read enough books by the time I was 30 where I remember going to this seminary that Lloyd-Jones set up and every book just about that they assigned me, I had already read. And I remember kind of kind of feeling like, this is kind of boring. <laughs> Like I've read all this stuff already, but the 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 longer I live, man, the more I see that God just didn't tell us a lot of stuff. And there's hints to it, and there's stuff you scratch your head. And I'm I'm preaching on Romans 11 this week, where uh, uh, Paul just goes, "Hey, the mysteries of God is ways beyond finding." That's right in Romans and Long Beach, and uh, and I love that passage because Paul is best as he takes a stab at God's sovereignty, uh, you know, uh, between, you know, uh, Jews and Gentiles and all that stuff. He just backs off and goes, I don't know. This is a mystery. I don't understand it. And I love that. Hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Augustine said, let others wrestle. I will wonder. <laughs> well, I love how you went on to a serious topic. Now I really can't tell my story. Oh, cool. Well, tell your story because I got a really, really cool one. All right. Just, all right. I'm going to tell my yeah. story. <laughs> all right. Because I really want to tell it. Right. So I, I texted you last night because um, I, I we've talked about it on the show. I've got a, a movie room at my house with a um, you know projector TV. Uh, this isn't like the projector TV you get at Fry's, right? These are these are high end projector units, and uh, and I got a hundred inch screen. And it, to me, I love it, right? I watch TV, I watch movies, watch DVDs, whatever, on this this TV. And my projector breaks, I don't know, two weeks ago, something like that. And I had to get a new one. And so I finally, you know, you and I talked about it. I didn't want to. I mean, I wasn't planning on getting a new one. Uh, but my old one was about four years old. And it was a 1080p projector, right? I mean, so in the HD world, it's, you know, top of the line. It's not a 4,000 the new 4k TVs that they've got, but I actually don't like those. Like it looks so clear, the TVs that it looks fake. And I just, I don't like it that clear. And uh, so anyway, I, I get this, this new projector and we plug it in and we're shining it. And uh, my wife goes, man, that is incredibly clear. Like the picture is literally blowing me away, like how yeah. clear it is. And it just, the colors are so rich. And I had a high-end system before, but it's just, you know, it's about four years old. And um, the coolest part is, is this projector also does 3D movies for everyone who's got a 3D TV or they've seen those. And I never really cared much about the 3D TV, but, you know, now that I got the 3D projector, I already had the 3D Blu-ray. So I um I went out and I bought Guardians of the Galaxy in 3D and I bought um uh, Jurassic Park in 3D. And it is so amazing watching those movies at home in 3D on my 
own private movie screen. It is so mind-blowing. I almost don't want to see 3D movies in the theater anymore because they don't look as good as they do at my house. Like That's how good okay, the system is. Let me interrupt you because you are speaking to church planners. Who are now going to hate me because I've got this. They all hate you now I know. and are struggling with covetousness. But, they, but here's, here's them. I, I actually thought about that. I'm like, you know, I'm really going to take off these church planners, except mm-hmm. I welcome you to my house. Come to my house. <laughs> let's watch a movie in 3D. I got four 3D pairs of glasses. I can have three other people with me at one time. Except for Steve Erickson. Oh yeah, he's he has to say that he likes Bam. my scene, and then he can come. No Sony for you. But uh, yeah, so and then last night I I got uh, the new X Men movie in uh, 3D, and I didn't even like that movie in the theater, but I wanted to get it because the 3D looks so cool, and I'm like blown away watching this thing. It's awesome. Man, it's I'm so awesome. You've got to come up. Come up to my I house, do. dude. I am coming up on Sunday, and I have four meetings like back to back mm-hmm. it sucks like literally all day i'll hit the road at 8 a.m we'll do church i'll uh meet with the dude right after that i'll uh go meet with my board meeting b-o-r-e-d and then i will uh go to reuben young's um uh, vision meeting which was why we did the show last week on that for reuben right that's why he was like why isn't it launched yet because I, I didn't launch it until <laughs> later on Monday. I totally forgot about doing it. But He was chomping at the bit. I interrupted your story, though. No, that was the end of my story. It's it's so gorgeous, man. I'm like, I'm just this proud you papa. You're just bragging about your TV. That's I really not a am. story. A no. story has... I, I told a, you. Like, you know... I told you I had nothing good today. An antagonist, a, a climax, a plot. There was no story there. Dude. There was just, my TV's awesome. My TV's awesome. talk about it. My TV's awesome. Come to my house and watch a movie. <laughs> Every church planner is invited. You've got it's so awesome. You're all invited. It's a TV party. <laughs> well, uh, actually, the reason why I was bringing that up is because we're we're launching a new uh, cog, a community of grace here at my house, oh, yeah, where baby. we're going to be watching uh, movies uh, for the first part of the cog. And uh, you know, one week we'll be watching a movie, the next week we'll be talking about the movie that we just watched. It's, and uh, yeah, it's for the it's for the Lord, baby. It's it's is is for uh you know it's for the ministry. It's for outreach. It's for I, the Lord. That's right. Well, you know, I use church planner money to buy the TV. So <laughs> every everything Pete does right now. Oh, I totally use church planner money to buy those Legoland year passes. <laughs> <laughs> I love saying that because it's true. No, I'm kidding. Oh, so so here's the deal. Um, my story, right? Uh, and it, it actually has characters which are real. Uh, any resemblance to actual characters is intentional because this really happened. I didn't say I had a good story. In fact, I remember at the very beginning saying I didn't have a good story, but I really wanted to talk about it anyway. Go figure. I have good stories, except I think the first story you've made me self-conscious now that it was actually a bad story. And yet if you understand how my sense of humor works, I get no end of joy in the fact that I got in trouble with the bank. That just makes me laugh. Oh, I think it's great because I don't yeah. see those people having a sense of humor. I can see your contact well, having a sense of humor because he's more of a salesman than a compliance officer. Well, and, and the funny thing is, is that it makes it more funny when you're doing something funny and nobody else thinks it's funny. And yeah, that's, that's probably true. a personal problem that I have. No, no, I'm the same way. In fact, 
I've had many friends who they know that I will do stuff just because I think it's funny, even though no oh, one yeah, else. You're think totally it's funny. amusing yourself. I oh, think completely. probably the secret behind this podcast, really. That's what we're doing, right? Yeah, we know that people say, please get to the topic sooner. And we just say no, because we're amusing ourselves right now. Well, and today's topic is one that you and I were both like, we, we kind of need to talk about it, but we don't want to talk about it. And there's very specific yeah. reasons why we don't want to talk about it. And, um, yeah. So, so here's, here's my other story. And uh, taking a page out of the Pete Mitchell playbook, I decided to hold it for the podcast. So um, the other day, right, like my wife's taking out life insurance on me. And so I had to get this physical. So the guy comes over, which is kind of weird because all he did was take my blood pressure and my pulse. And I don't even think I signed it. Maybe I signed it. No blood or urine? Oh, he took urine too. No blood though? He took blood too. Okay. Yeah. It's all right. I forgot about that. Well, Here, I was like, the only reason why they would do it, because I know this because I'm a financial planner, the only reason why they would not take those is if you were really asking for a very low amount of life insurance, because then they don't need it. Well, what was cool, man, is what happened while the guy was visiting was so cool. I think I I, I literally just forgot he asked for my urine and, and my blood. I was so into what we were talking about. Here's what happened. He comes and, you know, I can't have coffee like that morning. So I'm a zombie, right? Cause I get up at like five in the morning and his appointments at eight. So he comes by and it's, it's like three hours. I've not had coffee yet. doesn't make me a very fun boy. And uh, so I just mentioned to him, Hey, now that you're here, can I have a cup of coffee? And so he comes in and, you know, we're talking and he says, give it a few minutes. Let me take your blood pressure. We chat and he says, well, I've, I'm cold Turkey now it's been uh, and I can't remember how long he said it was. It was a couple weeks, maybe, um, I, I can't remember if he, he said three or four and I can't remember now if it was weeks or days. And I think it was weeks. And I said, Oh, what, what have you been off of? And he goes, talk radio. <laughs> and I go, really? And he goes, yeah, he goes, these bozos, man, they, uh, you know, we, we, we finally get the Republicans back in office and then they screw it up as bad. You know, they just want the same thing the Democrats do. And he said, and I was listening to talk radio and all I wanted to do at the end of the day when I got home was assassinate somebody. <laughs> <laughs> now he's an older guy. He's got to be like pushing 60. Really cool dude. Really funny. Right. He's when I made my coffee comment, he's like, oh, really this early? He's like, by this time of day, I'm breaking out the whiskey. And uh, so it was pretty funny. You know, right off. I'm like, OK, this guy's he's got some some. You know, he's not, he's not a shirt, man. He's, he's kind of cool. And, uh, anyways, he says to me, cause I said, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm a preacher. And I said, and I, and, and often I tell people I'm a preacher because if, if they don't know what a church planner is, a, a church planner trainer, uh, it, it seriously doesn't make sense to them. And over the years I've learned if I want to have a conversation, I say preacher because that conjures all kinds of provocative thoughts, hmm. uh, makes them curious. I don't say pastor because that makes me sound like I wear dockers and penny loafers and I don't and cardigan sweaters and I don't. So I've learned to say preacher, someone who has something to say. And, and that might make them feel like, oh man, whatever. Anyways, but it's going to either be controversial or pique curiosity, or they're going to be like, shut up. You know, I don't want to talk to you now. And that's fine. So anyways, um, so I, I'm, he says to me, you know, he keeps talking for a little bit and then he goes, you say you're a preacher. 
Because I said, oh, I always tell my people, um, stop listening to talk radio. Turn it off. If you want to love the people around you, it's going to be hard to do if you're always mad at them. And talk radio like just throws fuel on the fire of hatred. It does. It Their whole job on talk radio is to make you hate that person, right? Or to hate those people more. And they'll give you plenty of ammunition to feed your hate of whatever opposing political party. So I always tell people, don't do it, right? Especially our church planners uh, from Refuge Long Beach who started from Orange County, which is Republican, and went into a Democratic county to plant. It's a parachute drop. I told them you have to rethink everything right now. So, and they do naturally they do, but here's the deal. I said to him, um, he said, Oh, so you're, you're a, a preacher. And I said, yeah, I am. As a matter of fact. And he said, well, you're the guy I need to talk to then. And he said, you know, when I went cold Turkey off talk radio, I started listening to music after a few weeks and I got pretty bored with that. And he said, so I started flipping the dials and trying to find something that would be as entertaining or, you know, uh, as, as, uh, stimulating as, uh, talk radio. And I came across these Christian stations and the word he used was, and the man was lecturing about God and the Bible. And he said, so here's the thing. I've been listening now for a few days and I want a relationship with God, but I got a few problems. And so he starts, you know, outlining stuff from Genesis, you know, the earth is billions years old, you know, the Bible says seven days. And so we spend some time talking about that. I mean, I mean, always taking blood, so I'm probably making less and less sense, but he, uh, he wants to talk about all this. It was, it was fantastic. And by the, you know, I'm, I'm like standing on the scale and I'm like, I'm totally preaching to him. I'm like, well, man, you know, if you want a relationship with God, I mean, if that's what you really want, then you just talk to him. You just tell him, I want to know you. And, you know, and I told him a little bit about the grace of God, what Jesus had done. And this is all like, you know, he's giving me cups to pee in and <laughs> it was most unusual preaching I've ever done. But um, by the end of him being there, man, he walked out saying, thank you. I Because he told me at one stage, he goes, well, I talked to God yesterday. Um, the preacher said, if you talk to God, on the radio, he's just imbibing stuff he hears on the radio. And he's like, uh, but he's got these problems. He needs someone to talk to. I said, look, man, I'm always here. This kitchen table is always open. This is what I do for a living. Um, you, you just let me know. You keep my number. Call me anytime you got a question. Let's sit down and have a cup of coffee. And uh, I'm surprised anyway, you didn't tell so, him to listen to the podcast. I uh, didn't want to turn him off. <laughs> <laughs> just joking. But uh, no, you know, I, I just wanted to be a dude. Like I didn't want, I didn't want to be um, anything to him other than just Peyton who will sit down and have a, a, a chat with you. That's all I wanted to be to him. And, um, and he doesn't really need the podcast, right? Like he, he's not going to go plant a church. He needs just someone who will chat with him. Oh, he would still and, like it. Do you know how many people who aren't church planners listen to this podcast? That's so true, isn't it? Yeah. That is so true. Yeah. My Nana doesn't listen though. I'm not a church planner. <laughs> it's true, huh? That's right. So at the end, you know, he left here, you know, we had a little chat and, um, but anyways, he said he did talk to God and he just said something. And then he said, and then I stopped and I told God I was going to listen to him. And, and he was a normal dude. And he just said, you know, suddenly he said, I, I became flooded with emotion. I just started weeping in my car and he's like, what's happening to me? 
And I said, well, you know, God touched your soul, man. For the first time, probably in your life, your soul, which sits there dead and unused, suddenly God talked to it. And it, it, it probably is in the process either it came alive then or it's coming alive now. And I said, it's not an accident that we met. And so by the time he left, um, he was saying, you know, I, I have a relationship with God. I have a relationship with God. It's awesome, dude. There's just no, that's what we get into ministry for. And when it comes down to it, doesn't matter how big your church is. Um, you can have thousands of people in front of you on a Sunday morning. It doesn't compare to that. There's just nothing like those experiences. And so I had to share that because that, that was just, you never know what God's doing out there in people's lives. You never do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think that's really cool. I think it's also going to be, uh, I don't know. It really gives me hope for another podcast that you and I are starting, which is a whole nother topic. And since we're so far into this one, we shouldn't even bring it up, but, uh, yeah, but it just, it says to me, there are people out there who will benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. You you know, we're 39 minutes in, right? You you know that, right? I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Come on. Let's go. Okay. Let's hear Doc Brown. All right. Here's Doc Brown for us. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Brought to you by MoGive. <laughs> that one was free, guys. Since we butchered their last commercial, I'll just give them a little tag there. That was good. That was good. You covered our butt. I like that. Go, go. So uh, what is today's topic? So today's topic, again, is about leadership and uh, how do you set your church up so there's not uh, abuse, right? So one of the things, um, if I go back um, a few months ago, there was a a massive church um, back east. Uh, I think they had something like $11, $12, $13 million in assets, something like that. It was this crazy amount, right? And... uh, you know, as soon as they, um, uh, the pastor fell morally, the church was, and it was a church plant. Um, we've actually interviewed this, this particular guy who was a church planner. I, I don't want to add to anything, so I'm not going to mention who it was. But, um, but, but the reality is that uh, the church is, and this happens, right? There's a church down the road from us. Pastor dropped dead suddenly, same denomination. Um, big in church planning, um, was Calvary Chapel. Ed Stetzer uh, basically said that Calvary Chapel was the the, the biggest uh, church planning movement of the 20th century, and I, I think he's right. Um, but there were a bunch of hippies, and so when they set it up, they set it up in a way where the senior pastor has all the authority and all the power. No uh, checks and balances, no plurality of elders. And so suddenly, whether moral failure or sudden death, um, these churches were left uh, kind of like lost, you know, like, what do we do? And so what happened in each case, in both cases, I found this profoundly interesting that both of these churches, the business board stepped in, not the pastors, not spiritual leadership, but literally the business board stepped in and took control. The business board, you know, and and I mean the board like, you know, the treasurer, the secretary, the 501c legal 
the, you know, the board that the IRS goes after, right? Like, you know, you're a nonprofit, you got to have by law those three officers, but maybe you got 12 people on the board. But anyways, there's, there's officers, there's members of this board, and they are the ones that get busted when something goes wrong, maybe do jail time or get heavy fines or whatever. Um, so there's the accountability of being on a board. Well, when a church gets to that size and has that amount of assets, what often happens is somebody swoops in and says, we have to protect the machine or the assets. And so the business board takes over. Now, in the Constitution and bylaws, I know this because Calvary Chapel has a very standard set of Constitution and bylaws uh, in the past. Where, And I'm not saying like this is a Calvary Chapel thing. I'm just saying they very helpfully would say, hey, here's our Constitution and bylaw. And you can do whatever you want with it. So it wasn't like a standard thing you had to follow. Um, and we actually used uh, that in, in one of the church plans and modified it. But um, it was really helpful to have. You didn't have to make it up from scratch, which is not an easy task. But anyways, all that to say, um, the reason why this is important for you as a church planner is when things go wrong, your constitution and bylaws are what you fall back on, right? Um, your setup of power, um, the dispersion of power. And by, I know that's like a, a real turnoff for people to hear that because people automatically say, well, Jesus is the head of church. There shouldn't We shouldn't be talking about power. Jesus said we shouldn't lord it over people. And I 100% agree with that. But I've been in ministry 22 years. I've, you know, one of the great things about going to Wales as I worked with Baptists, I work in Methodist churches. I worked in a Presbyterian church, and I'm trying to think who else I worked with. Um, I think that's it. But I did work alongside Anglicans as well. I I worked I worked with so many different guys and walked into so many different types of leadership structures. That, uh, for example, the Baptists would say, well, "We don't, you know, we have a pastor, but we don't have elders. We have deacons." Um, it, you walk into churches that are congregational and they say, well, we're congregational. I guarantee you, I can walk into those meetings and I can spot what I call the power broker within five minutes. Hmm. I'll be able to tell you who in this is the unspoken leader. In other words, he's the guy who takes the responsibility. He's a guy who he ultimately is the leader that others are following. You will always find that somebody is the leader. Someone stands out in front of the others and leads. Even if it's a team leadership, somebody will be leading the team. The problem is, um, say, for example, with uh, what happened in these two churches I talk about, is if on paper you have spelled out. So naturally, it's always going to happen. Someone's always going to be the power broker. Um, even if you say, we don't have leadership, someone will be the leader. I guarantee you. Show me a missional community. I'll right away point you out who the power broker is in that, right? Just give me a night with you and, and I'll point it out. It's there. It's always there because it's human dynamics. There's always going to be an alpha male, right? Works in, 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 in packs of dogs, works in packs of people. So recognizing that, even if you say we're a congregation or whatever, you, you have to set it up in such a way where you are protecting the body, right? From the dude, first off, from any kind of abuses of authority. And yet at the same time, you've got to protect him from majority rule. So in other words, there is such a thing as leadership. 
and leadership should be protected. And so the danger is, um, personally, my belief is that people go too far. And this is a real long introduction, Pete. Sorry about this. I'm going to shut up in a minute. But people go too far where either they're so afraid of leadership that they write into their constitution and bylaws that basically this guy's just a figurehead. He preaches good stuff for us on Sunday, but there's no leadership. Or people go the opposite way. And they're so the leaders are so afraid of the people that they legislate into their constitution bylaws a system which means they are the boss, the CEO, no one ever questions them or they're fired and lose their position. And neither system works. Again, these things, you ignore these documents, you never think about them until something goes wrong. And then they're the document everybody reaches for. So what I want to talk about today is how do I set up something that A, is biblical, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. If you don't agree with me, that's cool. But um, for me, when I say biblical, I mean a plurality, right? Plurality of leadership where there's not one dude in charge, but there's a team. But number two, where, um, it, you know, when things go wrong, you've got the right checks and balances in. And so that's what we want to talk about today. That was a long intro. It was. And now Sorry you've got three that. minutes to uh, go through the topic and then we got to end. Cool. All right. Well, I'm let's kidding. just save it. We'll, no, uh, no, I'm just kidding. We've got more time than that. <laughs> I know. I'm teasing. <laughs> but, no, what I would say, too, to that really long introduction. Um, but good introduction. Uh, I was I was riveted. I, I was say. actually on the edge of my seat the whole time. I kept thinking <laughs> if only I could get this in 3D, my life would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But um, no, we also interviewed uh, another uh, church planner who felt very strongly that you as the pastor needed to control everything like so that no one else could take it away from you. And he had people try and take away his church and they found out they couldn't because of the way that he had structured everything. And, um, and interestingly enough, uh, his church also now is no more. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, it was like, that was his answer was I've got complete control. And yet, well, that didn't work. You know, because it doesn't work. It it just doesn't. And what what often happens is <clears throat> even if you have it hardwired into your church that you have complete and utter control, um, you you don't let's put it this way, you don't um you don't avoid conflict. You're going to have conflict with people at some point in your church plant. And there are always going to, there's different types of people. There are people who see you as the authority um, or even your team as the authority. And they have an issue because they're like, they have authority issues. A lot of times people who, um, and you know, both you and I are self-employed and we probably fall into this category. We probably have authority issues, Pete, let's be honest. Oh, but, I'm a horrible um, employee. Absolutely. Yeah. Horrible. And, yeah. And so, you know, and, and who's to say, but that church planners aren't just that type of guy, you know? Um, but, but the reality is that, uh, uh, often, you know, you have people where they're just, you're just the authority and they're just going to have a problem with you because maybe their dad was very authoritarian going back to their daddy issues. And, um, they're just going to pick a fight with anyone who's an authority and you will find a lot of broken people out there who as soon as you're the authority, it's like short man syndrome who likes to pick on really big dudes, 
right? Um, you see that where the little guy's like, eh, and he just punks the dude because he's big. And maybe the guy's a baby Huey, you know, he's not going to do anything. But you'll find people that will punk you just because they perceive you as an authority figure and they have an issue with authority. Um, and, and that's just something you learn in leadership, that that, that just exists. And you'll learn to kind of get a mental picture of people who do stuff like that. But then at the same time, you'll have people who um, they see you in a position and they want it. And for me, over the years, I, I guess being a serial church planner, I couldn't really give a rip. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I remember saying, first church I planned, I just said to them, hey, guys, I don't want to do this. If any of you guys wants the church um, and you don't want me to lead it, I don't care. Take it now. Save me uh, the time. I don't really want to plant this church. And I found that so freeing. And to this day, in my heart of hearts, if someone tried to take a church from me, I, I, I know a lot of people are probably going, oh my gosh, I, it wouldn't bother me that much. I, I just can't see myself fighting with someone over leading a church, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, I don't see it anywhere in the scripture where there was ever a fight. And people might bring out Paul and go, Oh, well, you know, Paul did uh, to the second Corinthians. No, Paul was fighting false teaching in second Corinthians. He defends himself because he is directly connected to the message. And I know we've talked about that before, but Paul never argues like, Hey, this is why I should be the boss of this church. And I think when you go into a church uh, thinking I'm the boss of it and people need to recognize that I'm the boss here you probably shouldn't be in leadership. Hmm. You know, if, but if you go into a church saying Jesus is the head here and I am a servant and I'm a servant of these people and I'm not a whipping boy and I'm not their servant, I'm Christ's servant and I will serve them because that makes him happy. Um, and that's what he's called me to do. Cool. But there will be times where I can't please everybody. I've got to please one. That's what Paul argued. I got, I'm not here to please you, he says. I, I, I'm going to stand before him, and I'm going to please him. I'll give an account to him. I don't care if you judge me or anyone else judges me. I don't even judge myself, but I leave myself to all, you know, to him who judges all things justly. That was Paul's kind of philosophy of that, and I think that's helpful. But anyways, going back, um, the things when you're writing these constitution and bylaws, the first thing that you need to do is have on there that there is a team, okay, a team of pastors. The reason this is important is because, like I said, um, you need to make sure that if something happens to you, like it doesn't matter if you're old or young, you can die tomorrow. And you don't want the church being in a wilderness position. Um, you spell that out in your constitution bylaws. You know, what happens then? If if it's me and I'm, you know, going off at church zero, cha-ching, you know, kind of, breakdown of multiple elders, then my leadership team in, in the, in my absence votes on someone to lead the team. And that goes for a temporary period, but it becomes immediate. The first thing they do is throw a meeting down. They vote that someone on the existing team leads the team and they prayerfully ask, um, you know, whether that person should continue and boom, boom, boom. And I don't have our document in front of us like to say what we've done on that. But one thing I can say to you is I ask people from both sides of this divide, people who like to protect the pastor and people who like to protect from the pastor. And I had both people work on this because I felt that they would both uh, give very, very good balances and 
ride the middle line. And in the end, we came up with something that was not out of fear on either side, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does make sense. And I'm talking, I'm talking so much, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you're talking, but I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that's, it's an issue. Um, and we do see it all the time and we see it. I mean, we didn't really want to, I don't know. I don't think there's going to do this one. I know I'm like, this topic is really boring, but it's important. Because- it's important. It's important because we see it and we see the effects of it. Uh, Mars Hill, great example, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they, I, I assume that they dissolved at the beginning of the year because that's what they said they were going to do. And, um, you know, basically make each, uh, location its own church and, you know, they're going to have to fend for themselves now. And it's, it's kind of interesting, um, all because the one guy, right. The one guy is now out of the picture. And so they dissolve everything. And I, I just find that yeah. a very interesting I don't know, just a very yeah, interesting well that, end result to that. That's kind of the deal. That's kind of, this is what I'm saying is when it all goes wrong um, and no judgment on that whole Mars Hill. So I know it's like, there's a feeding, feeding frenzy on Mars. It's kind of like everybody's kicking the dude when he's down. Here's my take on the whole Mars Hill thing. And we've not addressed it on purpose because I can't stand scuttlebutt in the Christian media. We're just as bad as everyone else. If Britney Spears has a meltdown on TV, the, the, the secular media just rips her to shreds. And as a psych nurse, I know exactly what's happening to her. I, I can read and go, she's having a melt. Like she's literally having a nervous breakdown. You know, how dare people ridicule her? Like she's, she's, She's sick. Like, what's wrong with people? So, for, and I understand why people do it, but my point is on this situation, we've got to do better, guys. You know, seeing people posting on it, writing about it, all these lessons very pompously that we can learn from Mars Hill. If you notice the guys who are really wise in ministry, they're not saying anything. And I'll tell you why they're not saying anything about it because they've been in ministry long enough to know that nobody really knows what happened. And if, you know, like Mark, you know, Mark Driscoll, if he came in and he yelled at a few people, shoot, man, over the years, I'm sure I yelled at people and it doesn't matter what my leadership structure is. I might just have a bad day and yell at somebody and they might yell at me. In fact, in ministry, I've been yelled at more than I've ever yelled at anyone else. And it just, sometimes people yell and I'm, I'm not, um, you know, anyways, I don't even know what happened. And I, you know, I've read, the interesting thing is I don't know what happened either. And I, I honestly don't even care. Right. Cause it well, doesn't affect that, me. That was like the worst stuff that I heard was, you know, some of the stuff like that. And here's my take on it. Um, at the end of the day, there's what he said. There's what they said. And somewhere in the middle is the truth. I mean, we don't know if this dude's just been railroaded. You know, we don't know if he's been taken down or what we don't know. And so we got to shut up, right? Because, um, well, the thing gosh, that, that bothers me in all of this is how the quote unquote Christian community handles it. Um, yeah. you know, Jesus gave us specific rules, you know, of how we're to address these issues and like something about the whole social media thing that, and the whole, you know, web 2.0, now we're on to web 3.0, but the whole idea that we as individuals can have a say and comment on everything, right? So 
on the internet, every news article has a comment section and you're able to weigh in. And if you ever read that stuff, it's like hatred on both sides. Just, you know, like right now I I was reading the other day, um, someone's comment on the American sniper movie, uh, you know, the, the Chris Kyle movie. And it's like, and, and everyone is just so, you know, angry on either side. And that actually makes for really good websites because, and, and when you understand how all this stuff works, um, there's a great book, uh, not a Christian book by any means called trust me. I'm lying confessions of a media manipulator. I've seen that one. Yeah. It's a great book. And, and basically what the guy spells out is we no longer live in the day and age of the newspaper. We live in the day and age of the 24-hour news cycle where the way that companies make money, including Christian bloggers, including Christian magazine sites, except for Church Planner Magazine, only because... Except for us. Well, the reason is, is we're just not big enough to pull this off. They make money by views page views right so every time that page comes up the ad shows and that's where they make their money like you go on to uh, and there are a lot of pastors that show up in my newsfeed because of all this stuff that we do and i can see the articles that they're liking and they're commenting on because they they they're you know freely sharing that with facebook and when i click over to those sites i literally shake my head i'm like you guys don't get this yeah. They are literally trying to get you mad so you will share this on social media yeah. so more people like me will come over, click on this, and make the ad fire off. And when it fires off, they make money. They make money not by telling the truth, but by getting everyone all you know hot and bothered. And Incidentally, that is how sex trafficking is funded, by you simply viewing pornography. Just for anyone out there who's like, I don't get how it's, you know, um, feeling that they get paid by page views. And so you are feeding, you're literally getting somebody paid who's profiteering off of sex trafficking. It's literally what happens. Yeah. I never even thought about that, but yeah. 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 It's the same thing. It's the same why they say, Hey, don't look at porn. You're fueling that. And it's, it's exactly the way it works. So but going going back to to what we're saying, so first off, have a pr- plurality of people you're accountable to, and make sure it's spiritual leaders. This is the one of the biggest problems when we're setting up a five hundred one c three, is we the people that the pastor is accountable to is a board, which is a business board, and the the issue with that is often the disconnect comes. When the guy hires staff over on the on the on the right side of the fence, he's got his board on the left side of the fence. He's accountable to the board on the left side of the fence, but the guys on the right side of the fence are his employees. So now he is the pastor CEO boss, and the men who are meant to be in a plurality of leadership with him. And you know, we could get into all the stuff about is there a first among equals and boom, boom, boom. There always will be. So you might as well call call a guy. So, for example, in Refuge, uh, I lead the team, you know, and that's not because I think I'm better than anyone else. I'm actually trying to get out of that right now. The guys I'm with, I'm like, who wants to lead the team? And they're all of them are like, not me. And I, I because I'm I'm moving on. I've got to do other stuff. So I need to to absolutely hand that off. And I don't want it anymore. 
And, uh, and, and really for me as a serial planner, as an apostolic leader, it's not good for me to lead the team. At a certain point, I hit a sell-by date. And so I start I sell by date. I do. It's kind of like I can't see the stuff at a certain stage that the church needs anymore because I'm better towards the front end, right? I'm the front loader, uh, but but I'm not the maintenance guy or the, you know. So I circle in to keep the church on the edges, keep it on the frontier, keep it doing radical, risky things. But I'm not the guy who should be leading the team anymore necessarily. I can be. And that can, you know, it'll have more of my flavor then, which isn't bad. But I just as easily could serve on that team. But anyways, I guess what I'm saying is it should be where the pastor, his relationship, often the way we set up these constitution bylaws is the pastor puts himself in a relationship where he is also the, the, the boss to the men that he's supposed to be spiritually accountable to, i.e. the pastors. So the first thing I would say is set up a plurality. Second thing is direct the accountability of that pastor to the other pastoral leaders. Those are the men he should be accountable to, not the business board. And if you want to have somebody who is going to be the boss, then you make them accountable to the business board. So those guys um, became become the bosses or you hire an administrative assistant and that person becomes the boss or the person who manages the employees. The pastors don't, nobody's over anyone else in terms of their employment. No one hires or fires. And in order to get rid of someone on the pastoral team, you need to have a majority. That way it ensures that let's say I'm in a position where um, kind of like what we've heard with Mars Hill on that. Again, I'm not saying that is actually what happened. I'm saying what what has been written that happened, um, which may not actually be the case. But anyways, going back to this whole idea, I've got pastors. Let's say they all think I'm a tyrant. Well, then they can vote me out. They can, but but not just oh, we think you're a tyrant. Boom, you're out of here. First off, if I wasn't acting as their boss, because let's face it. Um, one of the hardest things you'll ever do, guys, in ministry is when you're you know, in a small church plant and then you start growing and then you put yourself in the position of being the boss, it changes the dynamics. It's very hard to be the boss and the pastor at the same time. So if you have to choose someone out because they're late, it's just going to cause tension, right? Um, you should not put yourself in that position with people. So you should be their boss and try to be a spiritual leader um, on a team with them at the same time. That's just my opinion. That's where people get into a lot of problems. So what I do is I make sure that, you know, the right accountability is directed at the right place. And then what happens is if they have an issue, let's say they were like, Peyton, your temper's really bad and you're blowing up at us and yelling at us. Like I said, chances are if I'm not their boss and I'm not running the machine and trying to spiritually lead, um, that's probably not going to be true. People aren't going to feel that because what I'm going to be is always like, Hey guys, let's seek the Lord. Let's ask Jesus for what direction he wants. Let's, let's get in a think tank together. Let's fast and pray together. Let's take communion. Let's worship Jesus together. That's when it gets fun, right? You don't have to be their boss, right? So, you know, one, one second I'm chewing you out about being late. Now I'm saying, Hey, let's go take communion. You don't want that. 
And then, and then what happens is, let's say you, 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 there is a problem, you know, there is a problem you have with me. You guys are spiritual leaders. We're on a team together and you put me on a review and you say, brother, look, we got to talk to you. You got this issue or maybe your wife has come to us and she's all busted up. She says you're yelling at her at home and we're looking at the qualifications of an elder deacon. You need to get your family right. Or there's an issue of pornography. Um, boom, boom, boom. Now that's a whole nother subject. What do you do when that happens? I might be a great, we could do a whole series on how to handle all the issues and leadership. But the reality is, let's say, you know, you know, wife, marriage isn't doing hot. You put the dude on a probation. That can mean he takes a break for a few months and gets into counseling. That can mean, let's say he's yelling at the people there and they say he's a temper problem. It says you're not supposed to have a temper problem. Um, then they put him up for a review. There's a, there's a period in which a, they get to confront him and B he has that accountability and now he has opportunity to repent, get restored and make it right. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And, and so this is the way I mean, shoot, man, I, I just think to myself, you know, I read a lot of books and I'm always thinking, why is no one writing books on this stuff? Right. Um, this is the stuff that people really need. This is the nitty gritty. So, uh, uh guys, well, it was kind of boring. You, you are <laughs> going to have a lot of people who, um, who are going to disagree, right? I mean, oh, like yeah. forcefully totally. disagree because in our society, it's really crazy. This phenomenon that goes on, but when you respect someone, uh, because of their knowledge or position in one area, mentally, you then take that and apply it to every other area. And in sales, I saw this all the time. It was like the craziest thing. I would have, uh, when I was doing active financial planning, I mean, actively seeking new clients, I'd meet with people. And on more than one occasion, I'd have people say, well, you know, I want to talk to my pastor about this. And it blew me away. And I'm like, dude, I grew up with a pastor. I know pastors. Why in the world did you take financial <laughs> advice from that guy? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was because they respected him so much as their spiritual leader, they took that and applied it to all these other areas that were undeserved. And it unfortunately is the same thing, what you're talking about, on the business side of church. We go, oh, well, you are our spiritual um, you know, yes. leader, if you will. Uh, I mean, not saying Jesus isn't there, he's not the leader, all that, but you know what I'm saying. Like, we look yeah. up and we respect people and we go, oh, so therefore... I'm going to take that, you know, God has divinely appointed you, so you must know the best moves for this church to make. And it's like, no, God gave you a gifting in one area. It yeah. doesn't mean he gave it to you in another. It doesn't mean he didn't. But, I mean, we, we take one area and we just go, all right, well, then you must be good at all these other things. Absolutely. And, and I think a good leader realizes, A, he listens to the people. You know, he doesn't think arrogantly that he knows everything. He's got the white hot bat phone you know, to God and God only talks to him, you know, like the commissioner only talks to Bruce, you know, um, it doesn't work that way. Um, God will speak to you, but over the years, what God has really said to me is, Hey, Peyton, look at the people I put in your midst. I've gifted them divinely with my Holy spirit. Um, listen to them, hear their hearts. Um, I, I, team, everything in the scripture screams out team. Even when Moses, we call it the Moses model, one man at the top, Jethro takes him aside and says, dude, you're stupid. You need 70 more of you. And, you know, they, none of them were going to be the prophet that Moses was, 
but they basically, they were shepherds. They were pastoring the people. And so, you know, I just think that, um, you know, exactly what you said, the same thing where uh, I may not even be good at managing people, uh, managing employees. You know, let's say I've never had a management class in my life. I've, I, I don't know a thing about business. And now I'm, I'm trying to be the CEO of this nonprofit corporation. Um, you got to be careful, guys. And so what, what I would say is, um, you know, on, on this issue, uh, uh, oh, shoot, I lost it. I had something important to say, but um, yeah, that's, that's it. You know, oh, one, one thing in parting, um, the second that you start paying another dude, um, the second you start paying another dude, um, it will change dynamics considerably. If you have set yourself up as like the CEO of this nonprofit company called a church and you're suddenly paying someone, your relationship with them will change. You will become their boss. And some of you guys are like, oh, that's cool. I can handle that. But I'm just telling you, it changes it on a dime. It changes the whole thing. And just be aware of those dynamics. And um, if you have any questions about this, um, you know, we're going to be dealing with this a little bit more in jump school. Um, coming up, I believe next month, and uh, but we'd love to, uh, uh, you know, hear any questions you have and any dis- major disagreement, like Pete said, because um, you know my my ideas aren't always mainstream and they're not always stuffy here, and so no, I no, but I've, I I think the disagreement that we're going to get are going to be from people who um, who are just so set on no, you need to be the boss of it. I don't think that's going to be the church planner. Frankly, I, I, the, the church planner yeah. has a completely different mindset than the established yeah. pastor. Where you're going to find the most pushback is the established church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a time where maybe someone's trying to take the church from you. You just know that dude's messed up. He's going to hurt people. I'm not going to let him do that. And that's cool. But I mean, you know, I, I think if you're leading a team, well, and gosh, it just, every time I'm talking to her, I'm like, well, oh, there's a good topic. There's a good topic. Um, how would you lead a team well? Um, what dynamics would you have? I just think if you lead your team well, and and it's not something that comes to us naturally, it's something you learn, I think, the hard way, um, how to lead a team, how to lead people, um, how to lead them like Jesus did. You still have these problems, you know? Mm-hmm. You'll have problems. You'll have conflict. Don't get me wrong. But you just, the problems are different. They're just different. So anyways, um, hey, so guys, uh, thanks for listening. Like I said, Pete and I, Pete and I both felt today, we're like, this is kind of a boring topic, but uh, it is an important one. And don't ask me for my documentation because you know what you might find in there, right? <laughs> but, uh, but you will get it in 3D, so that's cool. Absolutely. Well, hey, this has been the Church Planner Podcast, reminding you that if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. And before we get off today, let me say one more thing. Why not, if you've been blessed today, head on over to the iTunes store and give us a rating. If you want to support us more so than money, the best thing you can do is to go on there, give us a review, give us a high rating, and that will put us in front of as many church planners uh, as we can possibly be. That's the way to promote this show and to give Pete and I a thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. 
We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.